Yeah. Yeah. It'll be okay. I mean, late it's like late summer, so you know, give or take. But because of Galaxy's Edge, it's gonna be like stupid. Packed. Yeah. Well, we don't like Star Wars anymore, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But just she's saying. like, when you went two years ago, she's like, I met Chewbacca. I was like, man, do you even know who Chewbacca is in his room? <laughs> he's <laughs> super soft. Yeah, he's super soft. Super soft. That's all you needed to know. Absolutely. And they they got Peter Mayhew, and they're like, hey, we got a steady job for you here. <laughs> just stand there. Isn't he like what is he like six seven or six eight? Something? He's he's ex- extremely he's massive, tall individual. Yep. Yeah. And Definitely. then they gave him like uh like those riser boots on top of that. They give him another couple inches. Yeah yeah yeah. I only got five percent on my battery, so that's not good. All right, man. Well. Yeah. She doesn't want to talk into the mic, so nobody can hear her. Oh. Yeah. So so that's the thing. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing it now. We're rolling. We're rocking and rolling. You see the sound waves? <laughs> Ooh, watch this. Ooh. <laughs> that, yeah, that's our broadcast in a nutshell. <laughs> we fuck around and then it just randomly starts. But, uh, man, what the fuck is up with this weather, bro? Yeah, man. That's, uh, that's polarizing really out there. That's it's disgusting, it, man. It was, uh, because we were heard it was supposed to do it last night, and we're like, okay, we woke up. I'm like, oh sweet, I mean, it just rained. It just, you know, it was just rain, sweet. And then, and then it I, started the slushy weather came and then, down. And then my mom came in to pick up so we can get carnitas this morning. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh fuck, here it comes, and it just fucking hasn't stopped. Man, we were we were at Cheesy's uh, yesterday actually. Yeah. And I got the uh, El Jefe, mm-hmm. so it's like uh, grilled cheese stuff with like ground beef, lettuce, tomato. It's like Chihuahua cheese too, right? Yeah, and Chihuahua cheese, and then it's wrapped in a tortilla thing. Yeah, and that shit smacks, man. And we got Capri Suns too. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. She to... saw the box and we're like, yeah, can we get two of those? <laughs> <laughs> Dope. Yeah, man, that's great. You know, you could buy a six dollar beer at Cheesy's, or you can pay seventy five cents for a Capri Sun. I mean, Capri Sun, man. You you know what the Capri Sun challenge is? No. Where you got to drink like a whole carton of those without throwing up. Like a the twelve pack, I believe. That's doable. You think so? I could drink one in a blink of an eye, so I imagine that's pretty. Yeah, cool. but there's so much sugar in it that like your your fucking system can't like process it all. I think you underestimate my power. We uh oh man, this one winner, my buddy did the banana and sprite challenge. You remember that one? No. You eat two bananas and then you slam a liter of sprite. No, I don't. Remember yeah, that. and so essentially those two don't go well together. He just fucking vomited everywhere, man. It sounded like it sounded like you were cleaning the drain pipe and it just like emptied like. That's disgusting. Yeah, man. I don't remember that one. It was funny because it was always the same one buddy that we had that would do all the dumbass challenges. It started off with the cinnamon one. Yeah. Remember the cinnamon one? Yeah, but that wasn't like harmful. Like it was just hard. People died of that. No, they did not. Yeah, they did. I How? promise you. People died of that. How? Because it clogs up your pipes. Clogs them up real good. Well, I was always under the impression that nobody made it that far. <laughs> Where they would just spit it, spit it out because it was well, too much to handle. Once you swallow it, you know, it's kind of hard to well, push like, it. Like I said, I was under the impression that nobody swallowed it. But yeah, we always had that one buddy that was like, fuck it, I'll do it. Guinea pig? Hey, man. I, I wouldn't call him the guinea pig. He was pretty brave for a guinea pig. He's like the brave little toaster, perhaps. Yeah, hey, that's a good movie. That's an excellent movie. All righty, Gabe, you ready? Mm-hmm.
What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids podcast, episode number one hundred and fourteen. Jeez, one one four, man. Yeah, man, it's, it's crazy, but it is what it is. And we're back on a uh, snowy bullshit day on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back. It's ladies. like, uh, you know what this day is? What is it day? It's yeah. like when you're playing magic and you really, really, really need a land, but you've just been getting like spells and monsters, and then you get the one land. Except you, you know. That's when you need it, and this is like we don't want this shit anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. it's actually the inverse. So when you're just pulling nothing but lands, and yeah. you get a monster. But see, you still need that at that point. It's you called know? the mana flood. The mana that has, flood. That has a mana flood. Yeah, man. But yeah, so I've been yeah. on a, I've been on like a magic binge, dude. You've been on magic, huh? Yeah. Check out uh, Alpha Investments. That's the guy we talked about last week with the Black Lotus. So he has some really good, interesting stuff. Was that last there. week? Yeah, that was last week or two weeks ago. Whatever I it, it may have been. Ago. I had a buddy who commented on, on it about how he says because you guys see he plays um, magic professionally. Uh huh. And yeah, he had a comment about it about how uh, he feels like Yu-Gi-Oh is a lot more toxic, from, at least from his standpoint. Yeah, um, I don't know exactly. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh players are definitely toxic. Yeah, and uh, I, I feel like a lot of the Yu-Gi-Oh crowd, at least when I was playing, was like a there. There was like a huge like age gap. So there was like the kids that were like fourteen and fifteen playing, mm-hmm. and they were kind of like you know like early high school. Yeah, and then there was the guys that are like twenty six who can dump. 300 bucks into a box of whatever you know fair enough and it just felt like a massive age gap there but that's just my experience absolutely so uh yeah we're back for another episode uh i'm in a little bit of pain because we went bowling last night can we describe our bowling night um i am never making fun of another bowling injury again that shit is serious (laughs) um so we went bowling over here at amf Uh it was a pretty good time man it was uh, it was decent yeah not too bad and uh we didn't bowl anything fantastic. But, no, definitely not. But we had fun. There's something special about the bowling and like it's like the it's an American tradition. Yeah, you know, it's like you go bowling and then you get a big old fat old milkshake and you know you hop in your '72 Corvette and do some donuts in the well, parking I, lot. Well, what we discussed is that um, there was a when we first got there, it was a group of teenagers who were like actually like extremely well behaved and just bowling and having fun. Yeah, and then there's like ten or. Yeah, of them, you the, know, it was like the, a big group. There was a de- there was a decent amount of them, and like I said, they were extremely well behaved and just having fun and talking and all that good stuff. They leave, and then the adults with with like a group of like fifteen Mexicans uh, and the adults acting and Ricky damn. Martin over there, yeah, he's, ah! yeah, acting, yeah, acting. <laughs> R.I.P. Headphone users. Yeah, sorry uh, for that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. this dude would. Uh, <laughs> I think Mandy put it the best. She said, "He he bowled." He saw the ball go in the gutter, but he waited till it reached all the way to the end of the lane, and it went, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> no, because then uh, me and Adrian had a discussion about it. I'm like, "It's funny because you know what you know what's going to happen to that ball the moment it leaves your hands. Like you just like you know you're like, oh, that was bad. <laughs> I think it's it's not the moment it leaves your hand. It's like two seconds. Yeah, because the moment it leaves your hand, you still feel good about it, but then like you start hope. seeing yeah. it veer off, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so like Gabe said, we're uh, we're not pros by any means, but we had fun, and that's all that matters. There's something about bowling that brings out just this, like a little impling in me. I don't know if you saw me like bowl, but I was like jumping and yeah. shit, and uh, I was having a good time. Yeah, we were watching him go. We were watching Gabe go, and I'm like, he's dancing. I'm like, this motherfucker's dancing. And like, <laughs> Adrian, I was like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, it's it's like you know me. I don't do that shit all the time. But there's something about bowling that's just you know. Yeah, it brings out the big Lebowski in me, or the little Lebowski. <laughs> little Lebowski, definitely little Lebowski. <laughs> definitely. Stuff, man. Other than that, man, how was your week? Mm. It was kind of a, a mixed bag. Had that funeral for for a friend, not the band, yeah. on Friday. It was kind of rough, mm-hmm. but you know we persevered. We made it through, uh-huh. and uh, you know bowling was was a nice little lift me up. Cool. We went uh, we went antiquing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's this place like right around the corner in downtown Lagrange, and it's like uh, it's like an antique mall. So there's like three floors, and like there's 
booths and everything. And I think I think the way it works is that not everything is sold via the store. Like the, these are people's antiques, and you could bring oh. in and set up. So like a flea market setup, but you know, I guess the 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 big antique store takes a cut, and you can sell whatever you want. Okay. It's pretty cool, man. I picked up uh, this huge Playboy mug. This is just—it's like a tankard. It is nice and heavy and sturdy. I tried knocking it over at dinner today. It would not budge. I got that, and then I got like your typical like medieval style tankard. Okay. I'm I'm a sucker for that, man. But yeah, Maddie got herself a nice mixer, some uh, whiskey glasses, a necklace. It was fun. It's a uh, I think it's a nice little place to kill time. You know. Cool. Because you never know what you'll find. Absolutely. There was a little setup over there. And it was like uh, one of those old school like luggage bags, like a lamp and like a table. And I'm like, hey, Maddie, which Real Friends album is this? Because it looked exactly like one of the covers from the room. Hey, man. It is what it is. For show, for show. All right. Uh, my week was okay. The same old, same old, same old, same old. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, let's yeah, rock and roll. So I have this theory. You know, you know when you're in the shower sometimes and like those weird thoughts come across your head, but some of them make sense. Okay. So one of them for me was in the wintertime. I fuck with oranges. I, I like oranges a lot. They're like number two, maybe okay. for me. And in the wintertime, I would just slam oranges. This shit's like really good. But now that it's starting to get warmer out, uh, I was like, I don't want oranges. I want orange juice. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just thought that was kind of interesting. You think there's any like science to that or like any rhyme or reason, you know? Uh, I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason, but I have orange juice if you're interested. <laughs> well, I just picked up uh, like a 24 pack of bottles from Amazon for like they're uh, cheap. Okay. But, but you know, I was like, I don't want an orange. I'm not bringing an orange for lunch. I'm bringing a bottle of orange juice because it's warm out and it just makes sense to me. So, Is, so you prefer the physical orange during the winter time? Yeah. But you prefer orange juice during the summer. Interesting, huh? I don't know. I just thought it was kind of weird. I was like, yeah, I, I'm not really craving an orange when it's 60 degrees out. But I am craving orange juice. Is it the maybe the the the, the preparation of an orange, like eating a physical orange, like makes you feel more summery in the inside? So that's why you do it in the cold. But while you're like, fuck it, I just want the satisfaction of having orange juice in my system during the the summer because you're like, well, oranges are summer's here or ish, I guess. Ish, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Um, and Chicago above forty five degrees. Everybody. Yeah. Ah! We're we're officially on the. The third winter, but um, maybe it's just like, like I said, like, like yeah, I don't know. Mental. I just thought it was kind of kind of weird, you know, huh? The mentality, maybe because like you could toss orange juice in the fridge for a couple of hours and it'll be like nice and nice cold and it's refreshing, mm-hmm. or as an orange is like has that acidic bite and stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know, that was mm-hmm. just kind of my thing. Interesting, very cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, this like the next one's me, uh, so I'm sure you've seen yes, this. I've seen it. Yes, uh, the internet exploded because I guess the very first picture of the black hole has ever been recorded in human history. All right, uh, it's some bazillion miles away or whatever the hell, another galaxy altogether. Light years, light years. Yeah. So we're viewing this black hole as it was 55 million years ago, light years ago. Yeah. Because that's how space time travel works. And yeah. It's it's a very mind bending concept. But yeah, absolutely. That and um, what's it called? And it's like 67 billion times the mass of the sun, which is... Yeah, that's wild. That's gigantic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just thought it was kind of cool, man. It's uh, we're, we're living in a very good time now. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of unfortunate because uh, Stephen Hawking died, was it late last year? Yeah. And if, man, you know, like this is the shit yeah. he was living for, really. But that's unfortunate. But Absolutely. We're, we're living in a time where maybe all these sci-fi movies weren't too far off. Yeah, I guess not. Um, like I said, that's a... Uh, 
that's a very large mass of black hole out there and uh it's in uh it's light years away and who would have thought you know who would have thunk it yeah who would you know it's funny because you know where are the flat earthers when they come to these type of news like you never you never hear from them that's a whole other argument yeah yeah uh man yeah we're not gonna get into that one yeah. again but we're not we're not going full joe rogan on you i think we did that enough yeah. last week <laughs> so uh are you familiar with uh rain r-e-i-g-n no have you seen that around yet no okay so um there's this youtuber i like by the name of caffeine man he's really cool he does like energy drink reviews and stuff oh and um kind of a simple channel but it's really well done he takes a lot of pride in it and so he did this review of uh monster opened up this subsidiary company called rain and so they're targeting their target audience is this drink is like a post-workout recovery and so it's supposed to compete with the bang post-workout recovery and he did like a side-by-side -side comparison and all that good stuff. So I, uh, after watching the video, it was kind of weird. I went to Speedway to go tank up and I saw it and I was like, Hey, let's try this out. And so I gave it a try. Uh, it has zero calories, which is good. You know, mm -hmm. if you're watching, um, and it has a lot of like good stuff in it, like vitamins, BCAAs and shit like that. Um, here's my thing. I like it. I enjoy it. And I find myself not plowing through these things as fast as I just plowed through that monster sitting right next to me. Mm -hmm. Like this takes me a while to kind of, you know, it's like a slow burn, like a very good slow burn. Is it the contents inside this makes it more filling? I believe so. Yeah, that's that's what I think it is. Because this is really nothing but sugar and calories at the end of the day, you know, yep. and some carbonation. Mm -hmm. But that stuff, th there's some like girth to it and some like weight, like actual like good stuff. Um, anyway, I enjoyed it. They have like this blue raspberry flavor and like this cotton candy flavor. I think those are proper. And uh, if you come across it, man, check them out because I want to. I want to hear your opinion on it. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, uh, obviously, I like the blueberry flavor, but I just don't like cotton candy flavored things. To me, I think it's just the grossest thing in the yeah, world. Yeah, so I mean, they got all sorts of. They have a, a peach fuzz. Okay, that's really good. I that's like that. a, it's like a like a peach snapple with just smacked on carbonation. It's really good. Cool. Okay. I like, yeah, I check this that. out, man. I think it's um. If you, I think if you didn't know that Monster owned this company, you'd be like, yeah, there's no way. Because it, it feels like two completely different formulas here that they got going on. Well, isn't that the point? So yeah. I mean, yeah, that is the point, really. But I just thought it was kind of interesting. And like I said, Caffeine Man does a really good like side-by-side -side comparison and, and a whole kind of like, how did we get here? So check his shit out if you're, uh, you know, if you're interested. Very, very cool. All right, moving along to the movies and TV. So um, there's like some uh, rumblings moving about, about uh Freddy versus Jason 2. All right. Apparently, uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are... Sam Raimi from the OG Spider-Man Sam Raimi from Evil Dead. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, it's the same guy, but I'm oh. saying... Yeah, this, this is the connection here. Obviously, Bruce Campbell playing Ash. Uh, apparently, they're the ones kind of spearheading this movement to try to get something going. Because I guess there was, there was the comics, Freddy versus Jason versus Evil Dead. Uh, and these things exist. And I guess they're going to try their best to get this project moving forward. And I just wanted your opinion on it. Um, so I think we're kind of at a consensus where the Freddy vs. Jason is the best movie in both franchises, arguably, right? Yeah. And I think, I don't want to say the movie's aged well, but it's definitely aged better than some of the other ones. Absolutely. Most of, most of the other ones, yes. I'd actually say. Um, you know, the, the catchphrase here when we're talking about movies and TV on this podcast is 10 years too late. Yeah. Because... When what was it? Two thousand four, two thousand five. When the OG Freddy vs Jason came out, sounds about around right. there. Yeah, it was. I don't want to say it was revolutionary, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. It was quirky. You got. It was a monster fight, man. What's not to like about a monster yeah. fight, right? You go in there with no commitments and you come out satisfied. Yeah, like a one night stand. And now that they're trying to do this again, ten years later, 
And I just have this bad feeling that they're going to take this way too seriously, which the first movie didn't. Mm-hmm. But it still had a you know like a cohesive story and likable character, likable enough characters and shit like that. But yeah. Now I feel like it's going to be maybe too serious for the times. Well, I would agree with you if it was just a uh, Freddy versus Jason proper sequel. But the fact that Evil Dead isn't involved in all this and a lot of that um, aura is kind of the dark humor comedy yeah. kind of vibe. I think Ash is going to provide a lot of levity in that regard. Well, maybe they'll need the kind of more serious overtones to kind of balance out his crazy. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, same thing goes for Evil Dead, man. Like, I know it has a very strong, I don't even want to call it cult following. It's just a very strong following. Mm-hmm. But, like, how often do you hear people bring that up now when it's not in its own context or that context? Well, I think um, you see the, 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 the Evil Dead remake or reboot. Did you see that? No, I have not yet. Um, so that came out a couple of years ago and, um, it was fucking savage. It was a brutal movie, but I think it was missing some of that kind of humor, humor undertones. And it kind of almost took itself too seriously, but in, you know, by in concept, it's not really a serious, it was kind of a B movie concept in theory, but yeah. they kind of just took it. And the fact that they had this character who was extremely charismatic that people cared about kind of moved that forward. So, um, we'll see. I mean, if Bruce Campbell's behind it and they, like I said, Rami's behind it, I'm interested in what happens. I think forward. the fans are for it. It's just a matter of execution. You mm-hmm. know, execution, execution, execution is the big thing yeah. that we talk about. But I think it's doable. It doesn't have to be this crazy high budget film. Yeah. The first one wasn't. Did you hear the the original ending, what they wanted for the first Freddy versus Jason? Well, what did they want? Well, the original ending, what they wanted is both of them to go to hell, like actual hell. Uh-huh. And then uh, they would continue to fighting. And then Hellraiser would come up and say, gentlemen, there seem, there's seem, what seems to be the problem? And that was how the movie would end. So um, I guess this whole uh, concept, these monsters mashups, monster crossovers are something that's been that's something they they wanted to do since the first one. So uh, I guess we'll Hellraiser to... is so far gone off the tracks that I don't think there's any like anything connecting it left to salvage it. You know, okay. mm-hmm. we're just so... how are you going to drop three movies in theaters and the other six were all straight to home? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess Friday the 13th did it, but yeah. we don't talk about that. Yeah, well, you know. But yeah, man, 10 years too late is kind of my thing. Yeah. It's like, who really gives a shit now? Absolutely. All right, so let's move it along. Wait, hang on. Before oh. we do, doesn't Jason need a proper reboot before we get back into this? He had a proper reboot. When? What am I missing? He had uh, a reboot. It was just straight up called Friday the 13th. It took like the first three films and combined them into one hodgepodge. What was this, like 2013? Maybe like 11, 12. 2011? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Was it straight to home? No. It was, no, it was, it was in theaters. theaters. Yeah, it yeah. was in theaters. Well, it's probably because it's the franchise I don't really give a shit about. But yeah, no, oh well. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get that. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see what happens moving forward. You know, I guess LeBron, maybe he'll start funding that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. We will find out. All right, moving along. Uh, we have the Addams Family little uh, trailer thing. It's uh, a, for the animated movie, right? Yeah, for the animated film. Uh, I'm not the biggest Addams Family fam- fan in the world. Like, my sisters love she is. Uh my sisters love like the movies, the family values and stuff like that. It's just not my thing. But um, hey, it's it's cute. It fits the mold, right? I guess uh, it's within the wheelhouse of this franchise. I think it's it wouldn't be too far of a reach for them to have like a kind of a cutesy animated film. I mean, Spider Man did it. Why can't Adam's Family do it? Absolutely. It seems like a proper medium for it, almost. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was a comic in the it was a comic strip. You know? So these things kind of go hand in hand, no? Yeah, man. I uh, we rewatched those last Halloween. And uh, I fucked with them a lot more than I did when I was a kid. There's a lot of, like, good, proper, like, humor in there. Yeah. I think there's uh, a lot of face value, family value to it, you know? Yeah, I get you. And uh, I'm excited. I, I think um, I think people are 
have been taking the animation medium a bit more seriously over the past couple of years, but now it's kind of come full fledged because you can do a lot more with that. Yep. So yeah, that was just my quick little snippet on that. All right. So uh, this one is something that I saw that I guess uh, Crimson Hemsworth on top of doing Hulk Hogan has decided that he wants to kind of maybe partially throw his uh, his name into the ring when it comes to doing the next Bond and being the next Bond. Oh yeah. Who else is he going to want to do Thor? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, crazy. So he's kind of throwing his name out there. I've seen a lot of flack because he's Australian and people are like, oh, la, la, la. I don't but, think that's the issue. No, you don't think so? I think he just looks like a very rugged mountain man. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like he'd make a good successor to uh, Ron Swanson or, uh, or I'm sorry, Nick Swanson. What am I saying? Uh, you, you know what I mean? He okay. looks like a dude who would be the neighbor in uh, Home Improvement. You know, or he could be the new Tim Allen. What are you talking about? You don't see it. I think <laughs> no. I think he's he looks too much of a badass to be Bond, because Bond is very, in my opinion, a suave dude. Like Daniel Craig is the most serious Bond. Blah blah. We know this, right? Yes. He still looks good. He still looks the part of a British spy. He looks elegant, slim, sleek. You know. You think he's too bulky? No, I don't think the bulk is the issue. I, I'm I'm imagining Hemsworth with the beard. I think that's your problem. Don't imagine him with a beard. I can't, though. <laughs> I can't separate the man from the beard. Remove the beard. I don't know, man. He, he still looks too Mountain Manny for, for, to, for me, in my opinion, to be a Bond. What <laughs> about Calville or Idris Elba? I, I mean, yeah, I, I could see that, but that was a lot of the comments. We're like, oh, just do Idris Elba, and I get that. But uh, I don't make a phenomenal bond. I don't think it's a terrible, if they were to go that route, I don't think it's the no. worst selection they can make. You what know? about... Um, What's his place? Uh, what's his face who plays Loki? I can't remember the dude's name. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. I think he'd make an interesting Bond. Or, or an even better Bond villain. Villain, yeah. There you go. That'd now be, we're thinking. Yeah. Have uh, Chris, cast Chris Hemsworth hey, as Bond. And do, hey, uh, nah, yeah. Now we're cooking. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. So, yeah. But like I said, I did see uh, some. Oh, he's Australian. But it's like, well, the, granted. I don't think that matters. Well, no. Granted, the first one was Scottish. It is still UK. But he was Scottish. He wasn't British. So, you know. This there here. I, I think people are missing the whole point of what being an actor or actress means. Yeah, right. To take you on don't roles, have that's to not be you. yourself when you're acting. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, I, I think his skill is is more than enough to meet the Bond role. Yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of one does he want to do it? Do they want him to do it? And is this going to be a blemish or a highlight on his resume? Is the question. I mean, I think I don't think. Um, I mean, he's a good actor, but he's not like uh, like in the highest regard as far as like tier wise, you know. So I don't think if he were to do a handful of band Bond movies, it would affect him too badly. You know who would have made what trio would have made phenomenal Bonds in their youth? Huh? Christopher Lee. Yeah. Patrick Stewart. And yeah. Ian McKellen. I think those three, any of those three would have make, made really good Bonds. Yeah, I can see that. That's I think not it's too an bad. interesting take. But yeah, that's not too bad. I, you know what I want to see in a Bond movie? I want to see the title of Bond being passed down from one to another. I don't know. I don't think they want to commit to that fully. I think it's just something that they read to have kind of be like a theory. I don't think they want to commit to yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It's hard to commit when you when you quote-unquote soft reboot everything every yeah. 10 years, you know? Yeah, that's true. Well, I think Daniel Craig's Bond has been going for two decades now. This is the longest the Bond's gone for a while. No, it's not two decades till 2026, my man. Well, you have a full decade and some change. Yeah. Some change, yeah. I think she still might be the longest Bond, no? I think Sean Connery, he left and came back, so it really depends on the way you look at it. Yeah, well, you might have to look at some dates and figures at that, but yeah. Daniel Craig's been the Bond for a while, and I don't 
not the most films, but definitely the, the longest time tenure. span. Yeah, yeah time tenure, span probably. Yeah. Huh. So I mean, I know we're itching for a new Bond. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I feel like uh, this is a topic that comes up every other six months on this podcast where we're just well, like, well, oh. because we know Craig's got one more left in him because he didn't want to do it, and then they waved that check in front of him. He's like, ah, oh, fine. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see if. What do you what do you think it is about Bond that he doesn't want to do? Is it the physical? You think? No, not the physical, man. I I, I don't imagine that his daily routine is too far off from what he would do for the film because he's been pretty fit for a while. Yeah, but he he lays pretty low overall, though. He's not like a a guy who's out there constantly making movies. No, but I think he's kind of at that point where the character is boring to him, where the writing is probably even worse, and he wants to do something different. And with this Bond, you know, Bond movies are not like a six-month ordeal. They're a commitment. Yeah. You got to be on there on set, and he's the main guy. You know, when you watch a Bond film, 80% of the person on screen is going to be James Bond. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I think he wants to branch out and do something else. Throw Daniel Craig in a motherfucking uh, in a superhero movie. Yeah, I'm sure you love that. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's, you know, kind of far enough out there to, to be perhaps tantalizing. You know who would know be a good Bond? Who? Benedict Cumberbatch. He yeah, make a, he yeah make we mentioned it. Well, he was one of our Bond replacements when we was did he? the list. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he'd be good. He'd be more like a, like a clever Bond, like yeah. M, as yeah. opposed to he'd, he'd make a good M too. Now that I think yeah, about absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we got we got some options out there, man. We definitely do. We just gotta start exploring them. I wanna I wanna know what's moving, what's going on with this franchise moving forward. Yeah. I think I it's think time to make some, time to make some decisions regarding the future of this. Watch uh, six months later, Disney acquires Bond. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, don't say it. <laughs> Disney acquires MI six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't uh, don't say it too loud. All right, this one's you. Oh, oh yeah, Hawkeye series. So, Jeremy Rayner is doing a Hawkeye series with uh, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow, and it's going to launch on the Disney streaming platform. Cool. Think this is well deserved. I think Hawkeye is a underappreciated character in the Avengers. Yep. He doesn't have the craziest of powers, but I think his character is very interesting. I think well, I, I think it would be fun just due to the fact that a lot of his stories will be based on kind of reality. So you don't really have to go over the top. There's, you know, he's kind of the super badass, super spy kind of guy. And I think that'd be kind of fun. And I love Jeremy Renner as an actor. Dude. Yeah, he's, he's good. Really good. I like. Him we a lot. watched. Uh, fuck. What was it the other day? It was a uh, American Hustle? What was it? I think it was American Hustle. What was the movie Maddie that we watched where he was the mayor? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Jeremy Renner, where he was the mayor. Was that American Hustle? It was American something. I want to say. Yeah, it was American, American Hustle. American but he Hustle. was he was the mayor in that movie, and huh. he did a fucking phenomenal job. Okay. And uh, you know, it was it was like at that point where I was like, hmm, you know, yeah, because like I feel like he's been doing Avengers for he's been doing nothing but Avengers is what it feels like. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I like Hawkeye as a character. I like Jeremy Renner. Why not? Yeah. And uh, he was good in the Born 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 Legacy. I liked him in that. Yeah, he was proper. Um, I guess we'll see, man. I just kind of want to see some of these actors and actresses branch out. Yep. I want to see Chris Evans do another wild, oddball sci-fi movie that's not Marvel. Maybe you should do. Uh, you should do uh, not another T movie part two. You ever see that? Yeah, I did. That was ridiculous. <laughs> he, he was in. I really liked him in Snowpiercer, even though I didn't end up liking the movie that much. Okay. He he did a great job though. Yeah. Um, he was yeah, great. Man. He was great in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, he was. Uh, like I said, I want to see these guys do something different. Yeah. Because it feels like they've been caged for a little no, bit. No, definitely. I think, uh, like I said, I saw a, uh, a buddy online basically saying, he's like, I, it's not that I dislike these films. It's like It's just that like they're handcuffed. These people are handcuffed to these yeah. roles and don't really get to do much else. Really. Well, I know Brie Larson's doing like her movie, but like who else has done anything outside of Marvel recently that was like big or notable or 
You know, like, can you recall anything? I'm sure if we sat down and made a list, we could, but or like off the top of my head, maybe I like Samuel really Jackson. Yeah, but Samuel's not committed to Marvel. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, that's true. They, they, they probably wanted him for Nick Fury, and Samuel was like, all right, but I still got a whole bunch of other commitments, including OG Bobby Tarantino mm-hmm. uh, and anybody else that wants me to say motherfucker in their movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're right about so that. I, I think he came into that like, yeah, I'm not being tied down by you guys. Well, I think it's uh, this is the guy who's been in Marvel, Star Wars, Tarantino films and like all these things that we all love comedies with like Eddie Murphy and shit like that. Like who else gets away with that? Who else can do that? Who else can simultaneously be on like funny comedies and also be taken as a dead serious actor in like Tarantino films? It's weird. Yeah. Um, Versatility in the man. Jonah Hill, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Oh, uh, we should uh, br- bring up a list of actors or actresses. We think we could fill both maybe in the near future. Okay. But uh, let's move on to the next topic. What is Is AHS American Horror Story? Is yes, it is. 1984. So, um, I have very loose interest in American Horror Story. I like the concept of it, but it's just as far as like every season I'm not really into. Like I liked Roanoke a lot. I saw bits and pieces of that. I thought that was kind of good. Did you and see uh, Asylum? I, I, bits and pieces. But like I said, I think the overall arch has to appeal to me. And Asylum was kind of like, you know, whatever. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Adam Levine was in it. He got murdered. Yeah. <laughs> nice uh, and proper. Yeah. But this one is uh, 1984. And the, the teaser of it kind of gave it a... Um, you know, mid '80s slasher kind of a feel to it. So, 1984 meaning the George Orwell novel, or 1984 is just like a year reference. The, the, the year, uh, like I said, the teaser had a girl running through the woods with like big, big '80s hair, and uh, you could see something was kind of closing in on her. And then she got to a cabin and couldn't open the door. And then like it was a blood splatter, and it says AHS 1984. So, like I said, it's kind of got that mid mid '80s kind of slasher kind it's of got feel what to you're it. Looking for, huh? Yeah, and I kind of like that. I like the aesthetic of it all. Um, that's why I like enjoyed about the Jason game, the Friday the 13th game. I didn't necessarily like the gameplay so much, but I did like the aesthetic of it running through woods in the eighties. Yeah. And there's all something stuff. like inherently interesting and also terrifying about yeah. being out there camping in the middle of the woods and having a slasher on the loose. Absolutely. It's fantastic. So, um, I guess I, I don't know how much interest you have in American horror story, but me personally, I, I think this is like one of the seasons that I'm actually interested in moving forward. Adrian didn't like the last season, I guess, cause it wasn't great. Um, because Adrian is like really into it, but as far as the seasons with the theming wise, I'm into this one. Very cool. Maybe yeah. you'll have to keep us posted on that one. Absolutely. Uh, when everything drops and all that good stuff. I'm sure Adrian will watch it. So. Cool. So I got some good news. Sure. Uh, so let's talk about the teaser trailer first. Um, so the name absolutely sucks. It's Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, we're talking about the new Star Wars film. Yeah. Nine. So this means one of three things. Uh, Ray is a Skywalker, or she is not. Uh, Kylo is the Skywalker in reference or something to do with Luke, Anakin, any other Skywalker that hasn't been a, essentially a major massive part or had so much screen time. It's going to be one of those three. Yeah. There's just no way around it. Right? Unless like Skywalker is a code name for something that they got moving like upwards and onwards. Like after this. Like, uh, no, I, I don't think that it's Skywalker's referring to the last name of one of them. And like I said, it's between those three. The rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it could be something that they created. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's I don't know. It's just so vague. And I told um, my wife, I'm like, when I saw the title, first off, it kind of irritated me because I hate it. And second of all, um, it's like a fan made film title, like something you would see on YouTube. It's like, oh, the Rise of Skywalker, where it's like a backstory on something that's so how, minor. How do we get from like these kind of elegant names that very nicely summed everything up? That would look good in italics, like A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, Revenge, or Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith. Clone, even, even Clone Wars was pretty, like, yeah. you know, like, 
It was simple, but it was elegant still. And Phantom Menace. Phantom was Menace. Yeah. Probably one of the better titles. Yes, absolutely. And you know, how do we get from there to Force Awakens was okay. Yeah. And then I can't even remember the title of eight. Last Jedi. Last Jedi. It, it works. Yeah, it was okay. It works. Yeah. But then this one, Rise of Skywalker, it seems a little too on the nose for me. No, I agree. And there's nothing elegant about it. There's, there's no, no class. There's no mystery. You know what I mean? Like, cause like you said, the Phantom Menace, like, you're, what are they talking about? It could mean this, could mean that. You know, Attack of the Clones could be this, could be that. I mean, I, honestly, we know the Clone Wars and what it meant. Revenge of the Sith is pretty, it was pretty on the nose, but it was necessary. You know what I mean? Like, what else would you name it? What else could you possibly name it? You know, uh, New Hope is very vague, but beautiful. Like you said, uh, Empire Strikes Back, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't grip me. Like yeah. the you, art of naming Star Wars has been lost. Yeah. That's a little bit unfortunate. On, on this one, for sure. Like you said, the last Jedi, it was, it was a solid title and it kind of summarized the, the title was probably better than the movie. No, I know you're hundred percent correct on that. Cause this, I remember watching it when the, it was on in between a football game, like in the middle of a the Super Bowl. No, not Super Bowl, but it was in the middle of a Monday night football game. And I was like waiting with unbated breath that I'm like, the title came the last Jedi, and everybody was like, yes, like that's, that's, that's the feel. That's that what feels I want. like a star Wars yeah. movie, right? Yeah, like when it, you hear that. Yeah. It feels like it. This, like I said, it screams of the YouTube fan made film. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for the fan made film, but see, here's the thing. I feel like if you just put Skywalker up there, it would have been a better title than rise of Skywalker. I'd agree with There's that. There's just actually. something about those words that doesn't flow nicely off the tongue. Or the rise just, of Skywalker. It doesn't paint a picture in my head, and mm. that's the issue, you know? Yeah. And I feel like if you, like I said, you just slapped Skywalker on there, or like, or the rise. The rise, yeah. You know, that that's vague enough. That's mysterious. That's mm-hmm. classy. But I don't like the title. Uh, teaser was somewhat interesting. I okay. Guess. Um, so we see Ray in kind of, I don't know if it's full power mode, but as far as we know, it's full power mode for Ray, mm. you know, swinging the lightsaber on doing that cool force stuff. And then who, who I'm assuming is Kylo in that, uh, TIE fighter. Look like him. Why, yeah. why would you fly that close to the sand? Jesus Christ. Adam Driver. <laughs> um, no, but th- that was the one thing that kind of irked me and I get it, it's a movie thing, but it's like, come on, dude, you're driving a spaceship like six inches off the ground. That makes no sense. Uh, the scene looked cool. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pretty shots in there. Uh, we get to see a little bit of Finn. Uh, we didn't see Poe in there. I think we saw Chewie. We saw a little bit of Poe. He was like on that, yeah. that kind of heist looking scene where like they're riding something really fast alongside like a train. So I know it's a teaser. Yeah. And, uh, we'll get to the big kind of twist at the end, but I feel like this has been the weakest of the teasers. Yeah. I, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, and I'll wait for the full trailer. Yeah. Cause I think it was purposeful. Well, I think it's, um, kind of a double prong thing because I think we were so amped for, the last two and then we got deflated so this one's kind of has less oomph behind it because we're not as emotionally invested but this teaser isn't quite pretty you know like there's not like in the teaser for eight we got that uh battle on what was it crate with the red sand mm-hmm. that was pretty that was pretty when they were flying the ships across and you saw the sand fly up mm-hmm. that was really pretty that was a pretty trailer i don't think there's anything um like very cinematically pretty about this quite yet I said, I'll wait for the trailer. But this teaser seemed kind of boring to the last I think seconds. that I think they wanted that moment to be where Ray was jumping over the, the TIE fighter. Yeah. I think that's what the, the intention was for it to kind of be that kind of landmark moment in this in the trailer. But I think it did kind of miss on that front. I so, agree. yeah, we have this. Um, uh, what was the line? You know, if he, the force users never really die. Or, He's like, nobody ever. Nobody ever really dies is what he said. And then you heard what people are speculating to be Sidious cackling. Yeah. And it does sound like him. I'm not totally convinced that he'll be in the movie. 
I, I don't think he may he I don't think he's physically gonna be. I think he's it. gonna be a force ghost. Yeah, I think that's maybe a vision or something that Ray sees. You or know. um, he could have transferred his body or his consciousness to another body because he inherited that. Well, he learned it from his master. Yeah. Um. Here's my thing. I like this idea and the implications of it because that means that Anakin wasn't the one that brought balance to the force and it kind of like the implications are massive just think about that you know like Anakin was supposed to be the chosen one when in actuality no he's fucking not like that changes the game completely and that kind of as I'm saying this I'm getting like goosebumps about this movie and I'm getting excited again which you don't do that haven't seen you know but then here come and I'm on this just this train right here right okay and here's my kind of thing that it's like derailing me right now that's a very exciting and fun idea, but the issue is is if that's the way they're going, how are you going to do this justice without shitting on the original trilogy? Well, I think the I think we saw prior to this that this film was a effort to combine these two things because so far uh, in the the sequel trilogy, um, this feels very. Um, standalone when it comes to like the original trilogy like this this and then there's that and there's really no tie-in with uh the original trilogy right or the aside from the couple of things right yeah well in the prequel trilogy i met um so i think jj abrams had mentioned that this was kind of an intentional effort to bring these two things together uh i think it's a little late to try to start doing stuff like that considering it's supposed to be the end of the saga la 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 they even said it in text in the, the trailer. Right? We'll see moving forward <laughs> if this is actually the end. But um, Well, to tie into what the actual topic was, um, the Disney execs did say that they're going to take a break from making Star Wars movies after this one. Which is fair. Which and That includes the spinoffs, the mainline, all the big stuff. They're going to take a little break there. Yeah. And I think it's much needed after yeah. this whole Star Wars fiasco in the past couple of years. I think it's time for them to reset the batteries and... Uh, recharge the batteries you know and just kind of sit back and kind of assess what they have accomplished give us some time and then if they decide to come back with some main 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 arcs or side stories to make sure it ties in ties in pretty well maybe focus on those like um series you know like we talked about uh, a couple of years ago how they were trying to do like an old republic series or a mandalore series whatever it was which i guess is a thing that that's for that's sure probably going to drop on the disney streaming service like focus yeah. on that for a little bit i don't think yeah. anybody will be upset about that absolutely because when you mainline a star wars title or a movie like it has to be it has to be like all that and then some extra yeah credit, you know it needs everything you need to live up to the expectations of what was set for it and uh i feel like with the side stuff there's not that much pressure because it's not there's well especially because they wiped everything too you know like when disney acquired them there's a difference between making a star wars product and then making a star wars episode movie yeah that is a whole different weight bearing there absolutely carries more weight like you said yeah so so they're taking a break and we talked about the teaser um i'm 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 a little excited cautiously optimistic cautiously optimistic i'm probably gonna go see it in theaters Mm -hmm. i think it's safe i just want to see how this thing wraps up and then I don't know, man. Maybe there, maybe there is going to be some good saving grace in there. Maybe because uh, maybe just the middle movie doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things right now. You know? Do you, Do you feel? Because I I feel this a little bit. And God, this could be just me being uh, cautiously cautiously optimistic, as we just said. Do you feel like we maybe we took it a little too hard on the Last Jedi that we gave them too much flack? And granted, there was some ideas in there that just really kind of fucked up the whole thing. But maybe there was some things that you know 
Yeah, just how you ended up liking a couple songs of that spirit. Um, I think maybe we should go back and rewatch it. I don't think it's a bad idea. Well, I, I checked it out, and there's the, the things that don't make sense still don't make sense. But like mm-hmm. you said, maybe we're missing a page, and we'll get the page that we need in this new one. It's it's this whole fandom thing and it's like this you know we just want to believe that everything is going to be okay you know uh, a quick little detour here how far are you in knights of the old republic i have not touched it i'm not gonna lie to you i i I want to get into it i just haven't got the time that's fine um honestly i think part of parts of me is just waiting for the the new rig and then we'll probably start it there so i don't Um, have the same problem there's this kind of debate we're having between me and my buddies about that game and star wars as a franchise and I kind of want to get your opinion when you wrap it up. Got me. It's the proper storyline. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, that was our Star Wars talk. We're going to have a little bit more in the gaming section. Yeah. Uh, but real quick, uh, since you did mention it in the, um, you know, you did mention it in the, what's it called, what you were just talking about. Disney finally drops their uh, their service. Obviously, we knew that was, this is something that was in speculation for quite some time. They announced their information on it. Uh, apparently, it's going to be $7 a month, which is pretty good. Not it's bad. It's cheaper than Netflix. Yep. It's cheaper than Netflix. Uh, they're going to have... Uh, Packages that package it with ESPN Plus and Hulu. Uh, I don't know how much Ooh, Hulu too. Yeah, I don't know how much that's going to cost. But I might uh, just hop on that one then. Yeah, um, ESPN Plus is you know like I said Disney owns ESPN. If you didn't know that, uh, so we'll see. Uh, Here's my thing: the Netflix originals are really good, but I feel like outside of the originals, there's a handful of things I want to watch. Not much. Yeah. But if Disney includes. Those shows like the Lizzie McGuire show, even Stevens for the future, Wizards of Waverly Place, all those OG Disney Channel movies like Johnny Tsunami and Luck of the Irish. If all that's in there, I'm sold. Yeah. Do you do you how do you feel about the name? Disney Plus is kinda It works. It's not anything spectacular. Yeah, definitely. I you, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Disney doesn't need anything spectacular. They have everything. They they have everything else. Yeah. They have Disney Park and Land and all, all that shit, all that other shit that needs to be spectacular. Yeah. The Disney Plus makes sense where you know it's discerning and it doesn't have to be like, you know, the, like if they named it the Magic Kingdom, that would be a little bit over the top. But, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it I makes guess. sense and that's all it needs to do. This is true. All right. So, yeah, that was a quick little talk, quick little run on that. I just thought. A little segue, segue. Yeah. So let's go ahead and transition over to gaming. So, oh, right. So there yep. was this 20-year-old Doom record that was broken in February. And so essentially, it's a speedrun of the first level. And I watched this whole documentary on it. I got totally like absorbed. Yeah. And I'm a Doom fan. I like Doom. I don't dive into it like that. You know me. Um, but essentially, this the first level of the OG Doom game, the record was 8.94 seconds on the first level. <laughs> but the game rounds down. So it was an even 8 according to the game. Right? And so there's been like multiple speed run attempts since then. And they've all gotten to like 8.04 or something really close to that. Right. But mm-hmm. it still rounds it down to eight seconds flat. So they didn't beat it. They only matched it. And so some guy beat it. He got seven seconds, but he beat it by literally one frame. It was like 7.9 odd change seconds and it rounded it down to seven seconds. So he beat this 20 year old record <laughs> and is insane. It was like the, because the enemies are randomly spawned by uh, by a number generator, all that stuff. Yeah. Blah, blah. And he got, like, the best odds of everything. And he speed ran the shit out of that, and he broke a 20-year-old record. He got what was necessary to do it, huh? Yeah, I thought that was insane. Well, I know Doom has a 
cult following. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that real quick because I saw this and I'm like, well, let's give a quick little, I don't want to say love letter because that's like my thing that I say, oh, love letter to this kind of looking back on these things. But yeah, let's give it that, man. I, I don't think gaming is where it is without Doom. Straight Doom up. did a lot. Um, yeah. They were, I think, you know, we spoke about how Mortal Kombat was responsible for ESRB. Doom was right up there. Doom was up it, there. Dude. Yep. Because you saw Doom and there's a lot of good shit in it. Doom has one of the best musical soundtracks, even Absolutely. though there's... Absolutely. I couldn't name you a track off it, but if you played something, I would tell you that that's from Doom. Yeah. Uh, the enemies were fantastic. The gore was great, especially for the time. And now I'm glad it's making a resurgence because Doom is everything we love and yeah. it's everything we need. We like a good shooter. We like demons, really. We like blood and gore. Violence, and we love yeah. the metal soundtrack. And, you yeah. know, it kind of combobulates everything into one. It's that's funny because when they had that reboot a couple years ago, I think we all kind of like, oh, that's cool, but, you know, whatever. But, like, kind of like a gem of the time when the year came out, everybody's like, yeah, everybody's I watched a video on how how meticulous the sound design for that game was. And I'll send you it, man. But it's essentially like it takes into account all these like variables and the music will change based on those things. Yeah. And so when it needs to be big and booming and when you're like executing a demon, it, it is, but then it has those more like kind of somber moments where it calms down with the guitar and it's not right in your face and you're plowing through the level and the canyons. Is, yeah. I, I saw some, uh, f- our documentary footage about the, the composer, Mick Gordon. Yeah. Um, he's, I, a genius yeah a whole nother level yeah uh, how he took a chainsaw and distorted the noises of yep. a chainsaw like that shit's so metal fuck. as fuck that is so dope and uh he also did music for killer instinct as well which well again when you want when you want to talk about games with premier soundtracks doom and killer instinct is that's from the beginning of time not just recently you know what i mean so yeah man i, I think it's dope well see here the beauty of it now is that you can get that first doom game for like 10 15 bucks now yeah so maybe it's worth to plug it in and you know, send it for a whirl. Yeah, send it for a whirl. Good Absolutely, stuff, man. So that was my little doom chat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so now let's talk Star Wars because there's two Star Wars things announced this week. One of them was the teaser trailer we covered, and the other one was Jedi Fallen Order. So this is a single player game coming from Respawn Entertainment. They're developing it, and EA is publishing it. And we got a poster and the teaser for that dropped yesterday i didn't watch it did you i did uh tell me about it what did you what, what did it present to us uh well it presented us a young jedi uh who is very afraid to make it aware that he is uh he talks about he's like i can't push myself i can't do do these things because there's always somebody watching you they kind of have kind of a, sim- a scene of him kind of sitting at a bar kind of environment and then he's like he's like very much aware that a stormtrooper's like looking over his shoulder and out the window so it kind of has this uh, espionage kind of low-key profile to it. Well, do you know the setup for this? No. This is oh, I do one that, of the yeah. younglings that was not slain by Anakin in the for temple. Real? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that part, yeah. Um, he has he has that going. Um, and then it kind of transfers over to him being kind of on the run where these these people are looking for him and hunting him. Um, it's played. Like, I don't know if you saw the, the motion cap. The motion cap for him was Cameron Monaghan. Who did the Joker in Gotham? He was also in Shameless. I think a great pick for him. The kid's gonna be a star. Um, and yeah, man, it looked really intriguing. Uh, like I said, it had kind of a Splinter Cell-ish vibes in certain aspects. And there was moments where it kind of wrapped up the 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 action and kind of had them run away and fleeing situations. Doesn't look like, at least based on some of the information, where it's gonna be um, too action forward, but more of a stealthy environment. That's what, that way. That's, that's what I picked up. I could be totally wrong. Obviously, I haven't seen actual physical gameplay footage. This was all just stuff that was uh, CGI generated. CGI generated. You know, that's kind of redundant, but CGI. You know what I mean? So uh, intriguing. Like it looks intriguing. Um, narrative. I'm definitely interested in what they're doing. That I did not know that he was supposed to be a slain. Um, you know, Padawan. I did not know that. Youngling. Um, I was under the assumption that he was like a somebody's Padawan who 
where his, you know, his master got killed and he's on the run. That was my impression, but I, I think that's interesting. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens moving forward with it. Um, EA uh, tweeted out, I sent you it, where it said this is a single-player campaign-focused experience and it's going to have no loot boxes. Absolutely. Let's see if they adhere to that. Well, I, I don't think you can say such things and then go back on that. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, I think we need a game like this. Yes. I have full faith in Respawn Entertainment. I know their portfolio consists of the Titanfall games and Apex Legends, and this is maybe a departure from that, but we need to see... Studios taking risks. Absolutely. And we spoke about Apex Legends was a side project. Yeah. So this thing has probably been in the works for a little bit here now. Yeah. I, you and I talked about it. We're like, we didn't know that this was a project that was in motion. And apparently, it's you know, it's close to done. It's coming out in November. Um, I'm excited, man. Yeah. Because, again, this is a, something that's that's really been happening with games a lot recently. And you mentioned it, you know, some, some time ago on the podcast where they're like, well, we're going to drop a trailer in the next, you know, five, six months. It's, it's here. Um this was something that was that never happened because I think the E3, the E3 thing and all these people having their own press conferences and stuff, usually they're like, oh, this is two years out. or Yeah, everybody wants to boast and brag about their property. Yeah, and uh, this one was kind of more of a quiet a quiet kind of property thing that we didn't know was in the works. I and think it was a couple, of, a couple of days ago. I think EA realized that after the Battlefront 2 flop, they're like, we need to take this back to basics mm-hmm. and we need to we need to do something about this flopping thing. Yeah. And I think Respawn was an interesting choice. I think it was the right choice. Because right now, as far as companies having goodwill, they have it. You know? Um, well, if they didn't cannibalize Visceral Studios, that would have been a fucking phenomenal yeah. choice. With, imagine like a Dead Space engine in a Star Wars game. Yeah. That would have been a great choice. But, Absolutely. Um, you know, like we said, that's, Visceral is no longer a studio. Yeah. Um, we'll see, dude. I'm excited. But just the word single player campaign focused project is all I needed to hear because yeah. a lot of the times those are going to be my favorite Star Wars games. Yeah. And I love the OG Battlefront and Battlefront 2. Those are mm-hmm. great. Well, there's something special about experiencing a whole nother side of Star Wars with that same love, intricacy, and complexities that a movie has. But instead of spending two and a half hours watching it, you're spending 15 hours playing through the story and you're invested, you're involved. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think, um, like I said, I think I think it's the right com- or the right uh, developer to do it right now, because um, like I said, Respawn has goodwill, and I think at this point, uh, what they need is a break from the first-person shooters to kind of re- you know re- re-energize their kind of feelings towards it, and eventually come out with Titanfall three, which I'm sure is coming down the pike at some point. Um, but I think this is a good project for them to work on to kind of get their minds straight and uh, focus on something that's more of a single-player experience. Because Titanfall, the first one didn't even have a single-player at all. And the second one, I guess, had a story. But um, I'm glad that they picked a good, you know, a good company to work on. And keep in mind that these are the guys who did the OG Call of Duty Four, a, lot, a large portion of this team. And maybe it's good for them to have a little bit of change of scenery when it comes to. Yeah, I mean, if they could do this and make a great multiplayer game, then what can't they do? Because a lot of the shit falls in between, right? Absolutely. So I am cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I, that's the podcast name. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about DLC. Yep. What is the best DLC slash worst DLC you have ever purchased? Best DLC is uh, Far Cry 3 when they had the Blood Moon, the Blood Dragon DLC. Oh, like the whole 80s thing? Yeah, where they took the 80s thing and made it very Terminator-esque and he was able to flip people off. That was the best DLC. Yeah, it was a pretty solid one. Yeah. What about the worst? The worst? Uh, I don't even know. I have to think about it. Worst DLC? Um Huh. Ponder, huh? Yeah. Worst DLC I've ever seen or played. Well, 
I will preface this by saying that if I felt it was bad, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I wouldn't have expected you to. Yeah, but as far as things I've seen, I don't know. I think like the, the, not so much DLC, but microtransaction was the easy fatality. I think that's pretty fucking bad. If you don't have the patience to learn fatalities in MK, maybe you shouldn't be playing. Especially yeah. in, M- in MKX. That shit was so forgiving. Yeah, super forgiving. That and... You remember learning fatalities in like 3 and like yeah. those early games? Oh, you had no time. Yeah. Uh, but as far as DLC, I don't know, man. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. Do you have something? So this um, this topic came up because me and my buddy were replaying through the Borderlands 1 Remastered. And... Um, so in the first Borderlands, there's a zombie island of Dr. Ned DLC where all the enemies are zombies and it goes through this crazy convoluted story of like the, the story's medic guy. He tries to, you know, and they, they, they say it's his like cousin or his brother or whatever. And he's just wearing a mustache. It's ridiculous over the top (laughs) Borderlands humor. It's like totally not Dr. Ned. I'm Dr. Zed, you know? And so he tries to like save humanity by, you know, the whole trying to make him live forever storyline, right. That we've lived, but there's. So much shit to do, and not even necessarily necessarily in this DLC, but the Borderlands DLCs have always been chock full to the brim of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, like it's one thing to crank out DLC, but then there's another one that adds to the overall game experience, and is just, you know, like like I just wanted to sit down and say, wow, thanks for this. Yeah, go ahead. I have an answer. Yeah, what's your answer for worst DLC or best DLC? Worst. Sure. Uh, anything Destiny pumped out because gotcha. it was goes content within the game that they ripped out to sell later. Yeah. But you know, like we were playing through it now. I think it's one thing to say, yeah, this DLC is good, but then it's another thing to say, this DLC is awesome. Yeah. You know, I think it takes a lot of love, time and patience. And the guys at Gearbox worked on this very hard and, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, like I said, they did it for one and they did a lot of good DLC for two. Um, I don't remember which call of duty it was, but resurrection. Where the zombies maps where they like revamped all of them and brought them all back. Which one was that? Three? I think that was Black Ops Three. Three. Uh, I think that's they should get or some credit. Eight maps or whatever. Yeah. They should get some credit for that. I think. I think they should just drop a zombies game and give the people what they want with all the maps. I'd pay sixty bucks for that. Yeah, you've mentioned that a couple of times. I wonder why they haven't done it yet. I wonder what's the, maybe because they feel like it's niche or well, it's small. I don't think it's niche. I think it's three different studios and you essentially have to have three different engines in the game. Because yeah. think about all unless you updated literally everything which is what a resurrection did for that particular studio mm. but you can't have the all the black ops zombies would have to be updated to the black ops 4 engine and made everything compatible right yeah and then all the like inf- like infinity ward zombies uh, like exo zombies and um the infinity war zombies whatever the fuck that was they had a uh, infection or not infection what the fuck was the name of that oh in uh oh i know what you're talking invasion about invasion or whatever the fuck it was called i know Aliens. what you're talking about yeah that no that's that's exos no not exo zombies no. exo zombies was advanced fuck warfare. i know exactly what you're talking about the, yeah. the cryptids yeah, yeah, yeah i can't remember what the name of that was but those would have to all be compatible with the same engine yeah, yeah. and then you still have two you know yeah and how are you gonna fit both into one thing and it's just I'm sure it's a licensing space and time issue. Which game? That was Ghost, right? That was Call, that was Ghost, Ghost. Call of Duty Ghost. Let me see. That uh, storyline was pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I just hated the fucking what's it called? The multiplayer It was so fucking frustrating. As a player, I just hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Um, Ghost. 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 Sorry. Uh, sorry. 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 Keep it going, Gabe. <laughs> um, shit, man. What were we talking about? But uh, yeah. So DLCs overall, and. Uh, Kind of wrapping it around to the zombie thing. And I think we're going to have a good zombie chat next week because it's episode 115, like element 115. So we should throw that on the docket. I think it'd be cute. 
but uh, DLCs can really go either way. They could be really strong, really weak, whatever it may be. And like I said, Borderlands does this very well. Yes, go ahead. Extinction. Extinction. That's what it was. Very cool. Uh, that's why you were thinking EXO because Extinction EXO. Well, there was EXO Zombies too. No, 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 I know. Was yeah, a I different know. Call I think that was Advanced, Advanced Warfare. Warfare. Yep. Yeah. And then I think the worst DLC, I didn't buy it. I want to preface this, but it was five bucks and your horse in Skyrim got armor. <laughs> that was it. Okay, that's bad. Yeah. But, uh, and here's the, here's the other really bad thing. If you completed the storyline for this one guild or whatever you want to call it, you got a ghost or a ghost horse called Nightmare. And it was totally metal and badass. And why would you ever want to ride another horse? You, when you unlock this horse, you literally got a spell that could summon it from anywhere. And any other time, you'd have to park your horse, put it in a stable, whatever the fuck it may be, right? So why would you buy the horse armor if you could get this? Yeah. You know? It was dumb. What was the game? What was the name? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. I forgot. What was the name of that game where um, it was asymmetrical? You played a monster and the other people played like gunners and tried to kill you. What was the name of that fucking game? I think 2K came out with it. Oh, you, oh man, what was that? They game? had the monsters and the it was asymmetrical. Like I said, it was the monster versus all the other players. It was like four play, people on the other side. What was the name of that fucking game? Because that would go down as the worst DLC. Because literally the whole game is based around this multiplayer environment where you create a monster and any monster they released that was DLC is garbage and they should be ashamed of themselves for that. Evolve, evolve. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so that qualifies for worst DLC just because. The game is centered around you being able to play monsters. Those monsters should be fucking free because technically, to me, if you have the two monsters or whatever they released, that's like a fifteen dollars game stops, and they released it for sixty bucks. So yeah. they can go fuck themselves with that one. Well, that game flopped, so it got what it deserved. Yeah, that's true. It got good reviews though. People people liked it. I don't know how it got good reviews because I think in concept everybody liked it, but just the fact that the execution was so bad and yeah, and it was two K, but it is what it is. All right, sorry. Let's talk music. You ready? Uh, there was actually something I wanted to cover that. Flips my mind. Okay, go ahead. All right, let's transition to the music scene. Music news and reviews. All right, so I was supposed to do an album review last week. I give it a little bit more time because I wanted to jam out to it a little bit longer. I didn't want to do a preemptive strike. Uh, so it is a band called Dealer. They signed to Stasic Records. And they dropped a long EP, short album, whatever you want to call it. I feel How like I've been getting along of these. Eight? Long, what about EP length? Yeah. Yeah. See, I feel like for rap, it's easier to just slap mixtape on everything as opposed to album, you know? Because Gucci Mane did a mixtape that was like 30 songs in jail or whatever. But then you guys got guys with like four or five song mixtapes. Just more universal. Anyway, um, so it's called Soul Burn. Here's my kind of thoughts on it. Um, this what, what, what this EP does really well is it's like a very solid combo mix-up where you think it's going one way. But it totally takes you by surprise and like pulls your pants down. You know, it's one of those where you're not expecting the next transition. They, uh, looking back at it, there is traditional music structure where it's verse, chorus, verse two, whatever, right? But they do it in such a way where it doesn't feel like that necessarily. You can still break it down in those parts, but it feels very like forced. Like I have to find the verse. But the way they present it is, it almost feels like you're having a very good just jam session with your buddies and you guys are just going, you don't care about this is what a song is. You just go at it. Like I said, it's like a very good downstairs overhead mix up where you got your hits, but then when you think the next thing is this, it's actually B it's not a, you know, it's mm -hmm. one of those. Um, the production on it's good. Um, the guitar work is very footsie. It plays footsie with you all the time. And I know I'm making these like weird comparisons now, but there's this thing do that... You, do you want to talk about Mortal Kombat? We can if you want. <laughs> Shit, you know, we almost made it the full week, the full episode without doing it. But 
Um, this is kind of what I compared it to. It, it it entices you to come in and get close, and then the moment you do, it hits you with a breakdown that comes out of nowhere over your head. It smashes a bottle over you. And this is what this EP does very well. And I think you should check it out. I think I haven't heard anything from these guys prior, and I'm excited to see what they do, what they crank out, and I think their musical structure is very progressive in the scene. That being said, um, this EP doesn't wow me like a lot of the other stuff we review. It's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I give this thing an eight, which is probably the highest I've given anything this year. I think so, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I say that it doesn't wow me like over the top, yeah. but it, this is still a very good eight because it's something fresh coming out of what is a metalcore staple. And I think these guys are exactly that. They're a band you can throw up with Architects, August Burns, Red Silverstein, any one of those guys, and it'd be a good uh, a good warm-up, a good pre-workout, if that makes sense. Okay. And I liked it a lot. And that was my review. Solid eight. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I got. I guess I don't want to call it a review, but maybe just a... A, a little a, chat. Yeah, chat. So um, Silverstein dropped a um, an album. It's called uh, Redux. And essentially what it is is singles and uh, songs from previous albums, maybe like the first four I think they covered. Uh, and basically they bring them up to speed, do, uh, better production, different instrumentation in some parts, but overall it's the same song, right? And uh, I told you and I mentioned it to my wife as well that um, I think a large portion of my gripes about early Silverstein was their production value was very low rent. Uh, granted, you know, um, what a band that small around the time, you know, you couldn't really get the you know, greatest production in the world. Right. I mean, there wasn't a lot of guys out there that knew how to produce records like this. Absolutely. In the metalcore days. So what they did is, like I said, they did, you know, new production for everything. Um, and again, this is something that we've seen a lot of, like a lot of those older bands doing it. August Burns Red did it. Like you mentioned, I think you said a day to remember did as well. I want to say they did. Yeah. Uh, and I like it, man. I mean, granted, like I said, these are songs that have been done. A lot of their more famous songs are on here, like My Heroine and Smile in Your Sleep and Vices and all that stuff. So, you know, if you're looking for new content, it's not there. But I do like the idea of bands going back and revisiting some of their older songs. And remastering. And remastering them, giving them a new look, a new fresh coat of paint, and uh, releasing it again just to show you guys, hey, hey, well, first off, we still got it, number one. Number two, um, we know that maybe it's not the best quality sound-wise, but we want you guys to enjoy them the way maybe we originally envisioned them to be enjoyed. And uh, this album does that. So I've given them love for it. I think that's a very noble and great concept uh, under two caveats. One of them, it, the band has to be around for at least a decade to do that. Yeah, I think that's like your very first requirement. Because if Silent Planet re-released their first uh, EP, you know, it'd be like, why? It... it you know, it wasn't like horrible productions. Like, why would you put the time, money, and effort into that as opposed to making a new album? Yeah. Right? And so it has to be from guys that have been around the scene since like 05. Yeah. Or some shit like that, right? No, I agree. And then two, and here's kind of the one that irks me, but I think Silverstein handles it very well. This, um, so this is a collection of singles and stuff from multiple albums, which is fine. But um, if you're re-recording an album, it can't replace the original one mm-hmm. because that is a piece of your band's history and yeah, maybe it doesn't sound fucking phenomenal, but it was there and it shows progression as to where you've come now, hopefully, right? Yeah. And I think that's just unfair to a lot, a lot of the like OG fans and stuff that, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's kind of my mentality of it. But I think Silverstein handled it very gracefully. And like yeah. I said, they've been around for 20 years now, I think Almost, they're on yeah. 20 years. And that's good to hear. But that's kind of my thought process where it's like, if you want to re record an album, by all means, do it. You know, but like if Chelsea Grin went in and recorded, re-recorded Desolation of Eden, that's fine. 
but you got to call it Desolation or Eden Redux or Remaster, whatever it is. You, it can't replace the OG one with yeah. like Alex Kohler and, and literally nobody else that was that's in the band that was in there. Yeah. You know, the twelve years ago. I, I think that's why like August Burns Red was able to get away with it because it's the same people. It's literally the same band. Just well, we have better production quality. Like you said, it's not going to replace it. But hey, we wanted it to sound like this, so you know what? We're gonna do it again. We and went in. We're older. We're smarter. We're wiser. We're gonna make it better. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's fair. So yeah, there's definitely the lines got to be drawn there, but I, I understand where you're coming from. Faux show. So uh, next up, we got the 10 song set list, and I find it incredibly hilarious that we do it on the day that decided to want to snow again. Oh, you totally gonna skip as they dying? Oh, I did. My bad. Uh, oh, so they dropped a new single called Redefined. I like it. It's pretty good. I think it's hilarious that like these. Song titles are now coming off as I'm Tim Lambesis and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. Yeah, def- <laughs> definitely. No. Yeah, I don't. No, I, I for sure see that. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. Because uh, the first one was my own grave. He's like, hey, I fucked up. And the second one's like, this one, this fuck up. I'm a new man. Yeah, this new fucked up isn't going to. What's going on, guys? We're Azalea dying and we're a pop punk band out of Peoria. <laughs> um, no, it's a really good single. Yeah. And I think they're going to bump out because last year. You know, the band that was the face of metalcore was the architects with the album, right? I think they're going to bump them out because these guys have been around for 10, 15 years and for this year, just okay. for this year, you know, not okay. as a, but I think they're going to bump them out because as a dying has been moving since the days of metalcore early. Yeah. Right. And it's only makes sense in the natural progression of things. The beast has been asleep or in jail in this case. And now it reawakens. <laughs> you know? Same diff, same diff. But yeah, um, I like it. It's good. Um, it has kind of the old timey vibe to it that old as they dying used to have, uh, kind of ca- constant the Christian fa- core vibe. No, kind of a uh, constant fast paced metal metal music with, uh, with a hit. Right. So, uh, I like it. I really like their clean vocalist. I like, yeah, he's lot. good. He's proper. Yeah. It doesn't feel forced or injected. It feels very natural. And it, I don't think it's like overly bright or overly pretty. Yeah. It's simple to the point and it works beautifully in a track that's other, other, otherwise, complex and layered as absolutely. most as I lay dying songs are absolutely so uh they did a good job I'm looking forward to this album I know it's a kind of an area of contention because do we forgive them do we not forgive them that's I think a lot of people are having that issue um the man the man paid his penance to society you know? well you know that in Germany I believe um once you serve your time right you're, you're a criminal when you're in jail but the moment you serve your time you're no longer considered to be a criminal mm-hmm you know, I think maybe we should approach it in that mentality. As long as he doesn't try to murder somebody else. <laughs> well, technically, he didn't try to murder. He tried to pay somebody. To get right. Murder, well, but. you know, fool me once, shame on the hitman. Fool me twice, shame on Tim. But <laughs> sure, yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, so, do you think that makes this band more metal now that like the vocalist tried to have somebody killed and went to jail? Uh, I, th- I think that brings a layer of controversy. <laughs> it's, def- it's definitely controversial, but like I said. I don't think we're the ones uh, meant to forgive him. Yeah, if we, I mean, if we, we, we're not the ones passing judgment here. We only judge the music. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, what he did didn't affect me at all. I think it's up to the, the victim or the would-be victim and the people who he affected personally on on that matter. Right. I mean, it's not like this is like a Lost Prophets Feed R. Kelly track or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was an isolated incident of him making a, a poor decision. And he got caught, and like I said, he paid his penance to society. We're not going to cover that again. The track is pretty good. Redefine. Really yeah. Check it out. Um, what do you think the next one's going to be titled? Uh, Reborn. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's pretty close. Mm. Hmm. Maybe we should. We're going to play a game next week. We're going to come up with new Azalea Dying song titles. Well, you, we the did theme. that with Beartooth. 
We kind of did that with Bear Tip. Yeah, we were we like, did. it's, it's going to be named kind of this or that. Or No, let's do it with those late dying for next week's games. All right. <laughs> yeah, like that. We'll put that in there. Good shit. All right, let's talk about those 10 song summer set list. I, I'm pretty <laughs> pumped about mine. I think I had fun. All right. You can go first. All right, let me go ahead and get this pulled up real quick. My bad. Uh, hopefully my phone doesn't die because I'll be really disappointed. Let me try to go through this quickly so it doesn't. Chug, All chug, right. chug. All right, so uh, I have a little bit of a mix here, and I think you're going to like it. All right, so uh, obviously I'm starting. Greta Van Fleet. No, well, actually, I do have that on here. You're right. <laughs> but uh, I am opening up with Wasting Time Eternal Summer by Nice For Your Strong because, of course, uh, that's in the fucking title. Uh, Fat Lip by Sum 41 has to be on there, right? Excellent, excellent choice. Uh, What's It Feel Like to Be a Ghost by Taking Back Sunday. Nice. Uh, in the Shadows by Story of the Year. Uh, Highway Tune by Greta Van Fleet. Uh, Saturn Bars by The Gorillas. Uh, Welcome by Fort Minor. The Flood by Escape the Fate. Solar Flare Homicide by Amir. And uh, Bro Him by Pennywise. You know, I think this is very interesting because when I tell you mine, we're going to have a little chat. So going in, we're going to have – I'm surprised you didn't have Yellow Card on there. I have Lights and Sound by Yellow Card. Uh, I think that's a total summer bop. Ocean Avenue could probably could have fit on there as well. but it is Definitely could have. There's yeah. something special about this song to me in summertime, though. I don't know what it is. Uh, Mac Miller, Senior Skip there. There's something about skipping school, eating yogurt, and getting high that just really resonates with me. <laughs> <laughs> the Wonder Years, My Life is Rob Gordon. This was my 2012-13 summer soundtrack. This whole album, phenomenal album. Four Years Strong, Wasting Time, Eternal Summer, Self-Explanatory, Dance Gavin Dance, Summertime Gladness. Uh, Give me rabies in the back of my car. Or no, Fed Me Skittles in the back of my car. No, I don't know the lyrics. We're going to move on. Fed me skills on a burial ground Gave me rabies in the back of my car If that's not summer I don't know what it is Wolf Mother Joker and the Thief man Don't tell me you haven't skated to this song Because I know everybody did When the Project 8 came out <laughs> uh, Sycamore Calm Down Juliet What a drama queen uh, A little bit heavier As opposed to everything else on this list I think it fits nicely uh, I really like the whole theme Sycamore with this album The whole carnival theme mm-hmm. When I think carnivals I think summer And this is a good song for the summer Wear sunglasses too And drive around with your windows down uh, moving on, number eight, Northern Ghost, Death Wish. This oh. album dropped on a very awesome summer day, and I was bumping it, and it just kind of reminds me of summer. Okay, I'm waiting for the, for news from them. Fair enough. Uh, my ticket home, follow stench of youth. Something about being young, sell your car, throw your savings away, and yeah, summer. Last one. Uh, this is a band we saw at Warp Tour 2016, and I'll never forget them because they were a super oddball out of left field. Mass Intruder, stick them up. I got a knife, motherfucker, stick them up. And okay. I don't know. It's just ingrained in the back of my skull now. I get it. No, because uh, that's where I skipped the fate came from on, on mine. Yes. Yeah. I imagine sitting in the sun. Did you notice? Um, uh, the point I was trying to make here is that we kind of lightened up on the heavy tracks for the summer stuff. Didn't you notice that? Uh, yes. Because you no. have what? Two? Two, three? Yeah. Out of, on the heavier side? Amir I think was, I got like three. Amir is the heaviest out of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. That's about right. Well, like for me, like summer is... Uh, Granted, I, I've listened to heavy music my whole life, so there's no like defined time for that. But um, like that's why I put like Pennywise Brohem on there because like as far as like the su- summer, definition of Warp Tour, yeah, Summer Kid National Anthem. You know, like I said, Warp Tour National Anthem. It is Brohem by Pennywise. I think that's. Oh, you know what I forgot to put on here that I totally like just realized. Huh. CKY Nine or Six Quite Bitter Beings. Oh yeah, that was a great summer jam. That's a, yeah, it is. That's a skate. That's a skating song too, for sure. Good stuff, man. But yeah, yeah I just thought it was kind of interesting because. I don't think we ever stop listening to metalcore. I just think when the sun's up, we're we're a little bit more up. Yeah, upbeat. Yeah, not down tuned per se. Yeah, for sure. Good. Well, like stuff. like a band like Underoath is such a, like a winter band to me. So, oh, I gotta show you something. Remind me to do that before I leave. Something Underoath related. Remind me to do that. Gotcha. If, if Elisana's up, she has to be up though because she's part of this. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, that's those are our summers, and I uh, I like it. 
I think it's a good. Yeah, man, it's a good lineup. A little mix, a little mix. Good stuff. I like how we both had four year strong on there. It has a good summer it, song. It has to. It has to be on there. It's that drum beat. There's something about yeah. it that's very bright. You know. No. Good stuff. So you ready? Yeah. Yeah. This. So it's the uh, end of the March Madness bracket. Yep. We got um, two albums, and we're gonna have a little chat about them. Sure. And we're gonna. I don't know how you want to decide a winner, but we're still gonna have a. Well, I debate. think we might put it up on Twitter. Uh, maybe ask the significant others to give a listen and decide a winner. Um, we'll see. I guess we'll have to see moving forward how we're gonna do this. Cool. Combined votes. Yeah, I guess. man. We'll see. Um, you wanna you wanna rock and roll? You go first. Okay. So the album I chose to defend was "I Killed the Prime Queen Beloved." So, <clears throat> excuse me. This album dropped in 2014, mm-hmm. and you could have fooled me when you said that album dropped in 2014, mm-hmm. because this album has this sort of layer of dirt and grime on it. Like you know when when it rains and you get in your car and your windshields are like slightly blurry, or like when it's foggy out and it blurs up. That's what this album feels like if I were to picture it on a surface level. What does this album do for me? Um, I think if you really examine it, I Killed a Prime Queen, what they do well is they know where to put it and how to set it up. And what am I talking about? Our breakdowns. Because this album shows the variety, the complexity, and the intricacy of how to do a breakdown. Mm -hmm. Because... Any band can do a breakdown. We can do a breakdown with a bass and a guitar if we wanted to, right? And uh, Eric Vanderblay of I Prevail on your computer over there. <laughs> but there's almost an art to this. And if any band were to write or co-write a book on how to breakdown, these guys would be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and let's kind of examine this album as a whole. Um, it does a lot of quality things. I don't think it breaks the mold, and I don't think it needs to because... This isn't just a metalcore album. It is a A-plus metalcore album because it brings the best of everything. And you know what? When you have good pancakes, you don't necessarily need to be crazy and put all this crazy shit in pancakes. Sometimes the batter, maybe some blueberries, maybe some chocolate chips, that's all that you need to make a banging pancake because when when your batter is great and you have good eggs and the flour is phenomenal and they just nice and fluffy and the syrup complements everything on top... Fuck it. Why would you put like cilantro or basil or, or any wacky shit in there? Why would you want that? Yep. Because this album cilantro. is exactly that. I'm just saying. <laughs> this album is exactly that. It presents the creme de la creme of what good metalcore is. Phenomenal guitar work that is just nasty. How do you get that sound? They put it, they play in a fucking sewer pipe and then that sound was tunneled through a muffler. Out of like a Ferrari V8 engine? Put through a blender. <laughs> yeah, and then through a blender, through a chainsaw, a Bluetooth chainsaw. How do you get that sound? I, it's I so know. intricate and it's so... Di- it is... When you hear it, you know it's I Killed Absolutely. Queen. And you know it's this album because that sound is hard to replicate and I don't think it's been replicated nearly as well in any of their other work. And this is the magnum opus. This is I Killed a Prime Queen's work and it's presented on a marble pedestal. Absolutely. And you know the drums. To the wolves, you know how that goes, mm-hmm. and the vocals. Yeah, there. If you separate the vocals, maybe it's not anything special. But like I said, it's the way the batter, it's the way the egg, the flour, the fucking butter slash maple syrup. It's the way it all comes together. Mm-hmm. And this album has a lot of aspects I think that we look for and that we actively seek out in new metalcore music, packaged into one nice gift bundle. Absolutely, for your listening pleasure. 
Fun fact about uh, I Killed the Prom Queen's vocalist, I believe his name is Jamie Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, a large portion of my style when it comes to my screams based off him was based off him. I don't know if you could tell if you listen to like the like Vanna Stomp and all yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot of that style is, was replicated. For yeah, because I liked him a lot. I believe it. Yep. And that's so, my that's my argument. That's my excellent. Presentation. All right. So uh, my album that I was assigned and would have chose probably either way was uh, The Emptiness by Elisana. I have mentioned this prior to the, you know the podcast. My daughter is named because of this album and the way that the fact that it exists. And um, you want to talk about? I mentioned that in a previous. Can you need to roll your eyes? Good story and the way it was told. All right. So this album opens up with a uh, monologue from an individual who sounds like he hasn't slept in three days and has uh, gargled the uh, gravel for about two of those days. All right. And um, he opens the story. He's like, "Hey, I'm going to tell you the story about what happened to me and wow, you know how it made me feel." Opens up with The Curse of the Virgin Canvas, which is just a wonderful fucking song. Gets you amped. It's ready to get you started into the album, right? Fast paced, in your face. Uh, a lot of aggression. You could feel it. Uh, you could feel kind of the manic energy of this individual who is telling this story. If you're a fan of Edgar Allan Poe, you're going to enjoy this album because I think a large portion of the work is based on some of his stories, right? It tells a story about a man whose uh, loved one is gone. And you're not in qu- quite entirely sure if he's the one who did it, right? Um, because there's a large, like I said, he's kind of given you that unreliable narrator kind of feel where he says things in the song or the song goes and the next song, he kind of contradicts it where he, supposedly it was somebody, but then he looks into a mirror and that person's him, the evil person on the other side. Uh, the album art reflects that where it's him writing it on the wall, the emptiness, you know what I mean? Um, that's far as like the narrative point, right? Mus- musically, um, I will say, and I've, I've said this since the beginning of time, Elisana would be my favorite band ever if it wasn't for the screaming vocalist. I dislike him greatly. <laughs> I don't, he's even worse live. He, he's not good. That's my opinion. But as far as bringing it all together with the vocals of Sean, uh, who is a great clean vocalist, there's three guitarists in this band. Uh, he does a lot of the complimentary work when it comes to filling out the sound. He does a great job. His cleans are fucking phenomenal. Normally, you, you know, you may have listened to the podcast previously. I'm not a fan of kind of the higher pitched whiny kind of vocals. He delivers what I look for when it comes to that style of vocal vocalizing. It has to fit the narrative of, the, of what they're trying to tell. And he does that with the fucking fine tooth comb, man. He nails that fucking shit. Uh, bass is, is pretty good work. The drumming is phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of great songs on this album. The Thespian comes to mind. But also with those fast-paced songs comes some of the small, the the you know the slower tempoed ones that kind of get you to feel the environment and the ambiance of the album as a whole. Um, I just love it. It's a great piece of work. It's it's a fucking uh, when it comes to labeling um, the post-hardcore sound. This is what I look for. All right, um, it's a little bit of mix of everything because that's what post is. It's essentially a little bit of mix from this, that, this, that, and this and that. Uh, there's some pop elements to it with the singing. Uh, there's that kind of death Corey kind of grind to it with the vocalist and the way he sings. Post hardcore is that mud at the shelter that you didn't think you'd like, but you ended up loving. Absolutely. No, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. Um, and I didn't realize before this tournament, how much I loved a lot of the post hardcore albums that, that came along the way. And there's some good ones, but when it comes to like the artists and, uh, to be a scared of an owl, these songs just paint such a beautiful picture. Uh, you could see them as much as you could hear them. And that's what I love about the album. And I think Elisana did a great job with this. And like I said, my daughter is named Elisana because of the emptiness. And God damn it, the emptiness will haunt you. And that's my that's my piece. 
So there you go. Coolio. I think we gave two quite good reviews. Absolutely. A little more than we normally give. Absolutely. <laughs> because you said that you were to come up, uh, you know, in the batter's box ready to swing one out of the park. I'm like, you know what? As opposed to just kind of giving my, um, um, kind of my quick thoughts, which I do with a lot of my reviews. I'm like, let me sit down and listen to it again uh, and kind of have some points in my head that I want to hit. And that's what I did. Good beans. Good Absolutely. Beans. Um, I wanted to, I don't want to interrupt you, but there is a Japanese hardcore band that has two drummers. Really? Yeah. I, uh, I'll get that name to you sometime this week, but I totally... You know, when you said they have uh, three guitarists, I was like, I knew that. I know there's another band that had two bassists, but there's this hardcore band out of Japan that has two drummers. That's I think that's good. Yeah, it's going to be real thick because yeah. Slipknot had three percussionists. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> drummer proper, not quite. Yeah, yeah, drummer proper, not quite. That'd, that'd be a good... Hardcore banding, drummer proper, not quite. <laughs> maybe, maybe post hardcore. Absolutely. So, that was our our little spiel on these two albums. I think Gabe and I will both agree, two of the best albums to represent this genre or this. I don't uh, know. For metalcore and post hardcore, I mean, if you asked any number of people in a room for either, you know, either genre, I think both of these are going to make the list, if yeah. not be towards the top half. Really, I think they're both equally great in different ways. And, um, yeah, like I said, I think I might throw it up on Twitter. Um, maybe, like I said, asking people around, having right, so, right yeah, now. We got a Tim Burton's Hot Topic versus a nice warm pancake breakfast. <laughs> so we'll see. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's all we got for this week, Gabe. I think that is a wrap. So you don't want so you don't want to talk about Mortal Kombat is what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll we got up. two weeks. We'll be okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but, yeah. So that was the Second City Kids podcast, episode number 114. 114. Yeah. Uh, we will see you back here next week for 115. Element 115, baby. <laughs> Bring yeah. your ray guns. Absolute. Bring your quick revives because we could have some fun next week. Absolutely. Drink your juggernaut. We're ready for you. But until – Matty, you touched my foot. Ah, No, I'm kidding. Uh, but until then, we'll see you. Uh, you can go ahead and like us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean. Stitcher Radio, anywhere where podcasts are found. Tune in radio, all that good stuff. Uh, and until then – this is Richard Nixon. Ah, I am not a crook. <laughs>